Hello, you're listening to Insurance Covered, the podcast that covers anything and everything to do with insurance. Coming up in this episode... It's the board responsibility to make sure that diversity and inclusion is taken forward. They're responsible for risk. They're responsible for profit and loss. They should be responsible for diversity and inclusion, you know, because that's how everything is going to work in a more effective way. My name is Peter Mansfield. I'm a partner of the law firm RPC. And in each episode, I'm joined by a guest and we discuss an aspect of the wonderful world of insurance. And this week we have Mark McKenna-Coles with us and we will be discussing diversity and inclusion in the insurance industry. Mark's routes to insurance has been, how should we put this, circuitous. Uh, He started out as the manager of a Disney store and after a period as a bank manager, he became the um, merchantainment manager for the Disney Cruise Line. Uh, We will definitely come back to that. Um, Before returning to the world of banking, for the last seven years, though, Mark has concentrated on roles in diversity and inclusion, first within banking, but since 2018 within insurance as the Global Diversity and Inclusion Manager of Lloyd's. So, Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Peter. Appreciate it. So, Disney. Yeah. Let's, get that, let's get that out of the way first. What's your link with Disney and, and, and what is a merchantainment manager? Yeah. So, so um, link with Disney. So I'll go back a little bit further than that. So I have a theatre degree, so you can see it works well in insurance. Um, <laughs> so very much uh, throughout my degree, I worked at Disney in their stores, just as a, what they call a cast member, moved into the management side of things once I finished my degree. And I was given an opportunity to go over and work in the US on their cruise line. And a merchantainment manager is primarily someone that, you know, works in the merchandise. I also work with the entertainment side of things. So looking, working with the characters, working with the main stage performers on stage. So various things uh, that I did when I was on the on the cruise line. But I did that for about 18 months in the, in the cruise industry. It's a, it's a, it's a wacky, wacky job. Um, and the big question is, have you ever dressed up as Mickey Mouse? Well, no, because no one does. Um, you know, what, what, how, no one dresses up as Mickey Mouse. I mean, yeah, you can buy the ears and stuff, but Mickey's real. You know, there, there is, you know, obviously there are friends of Mickey um, um, and I have friends who are friends with Mickey, but obviously no one dresses up as Mickey Mouse. Yeah, no, sorry. That was a stupid mistake yeah. on my part. So, <laughs> anyway, so anyway, how did you go from, from all of that uh, to insurance, uh, which is, how can one put it, sort of at different ends of the spectrum? It is and it isn't. I mean, if I think about, you know, I was in banking as well, and it's all very customer focused. It's all very much around the customer. And that's where Disney um, aim is as well. And for me, um, you know, in my banking time, I was uh, in the customer facing roles in branches. I moved into business banking. I moved into special projects. And then I moved into the DNI space. And actually, I moved into the DNI space through the bank's gender network. So, you know, uh, through uh, me being part of the gender network, um, it exposed me to the work that the organization was doing around diversity and inclusion. And then when when my opportunity to move away from banking happened, I, th- I thought to myself, well, I've got this great experience and actually financial services is much broader than that. And and an opportunity came up at Lloyd's to join the team and working with uh, people such as Pauline Miller, who is, um, she's a fantastic individual. Um, I'm in awe of her. She's taught me so much, even in the two and a half years I've been with, um, with Lloyd's. And, um, you know, I, it, if I look at 
the journey that the insurance industry are going on in, 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 in its term of diversity and inclusion, you know, a lot of people say, oh, we're way behind the curve, we're way behind the curve. Yeah, we are. But also we're trying to do it in a more stable way. If I look at other industries, and dare I say, banking can sometimes be like this. They've kind of gone full pelt. And unfortunately, it's not always landed in the best way. You know, we saw back in 2014, there was a huge amount of recruitment for senior women into banking. The problem is, is they hadn't actually developed an inclusive mindset within an organization, which meant that, you know, all these women were being attracted into the organizations, but they weren't being embraced. They weren't being accepted. And so it ended up actually some people leaving. It's interesting. I was I was uh, attending, watching. I'm not sure what you do with webinars, but I, I was I was at a webinar um, early this week where uh, about diversity and inclusion, where where one of the speakers talked about the fact that you, you cannot really have diversity until you have inclusion. Yep, and uh, you, you have to have an inclusive culture. Um, and then in some respects, diversity will naturally follow. But, th- but before we sort of, dis- sort of go into the detail of it, um, the vast majority of people who uh, are listening to this will, of course, already be aware what diversity and inclusion means. But could you, in, in your own word, explain what you see diversity and inclusion as as what the aim of it is and what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, so so with diversity, it's all about all of our different elements that make us up, you know, um, and, and we are not only one one diversity strand, you know, we're not only just male, we're not only just white or, or whatever. We are made up of different facets. And it is about trying to make sure that we get a good spread of people from all different backgrounds, be it, you know, either their their ethnicity, sexual orientation, their social economic background, their gender, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we're, we're trying to do that, but also trying to make sure that people can, and this is where it leads into the inclusion element, where they can be more expressive about all of those differences that they might have. Now, some are obvious. Your, your ethnicity in the main is obvious. Your gender in the main, and I will always say that in the main is obvious because people's gender identity can be very different from what you see. But things like sexual orientation, disability, social economic background are things that you don't not evidently see, but actually can also help and be an advantage or be part of the wider picture when it comes to organizations. You know, we know that in the insurance market, particularly, we have a very low number of organizations that even ask for an individual's ethnic background. And we're trying to do a lot more work to improve on that. But we then look into other questions. And, and, and you know, for me, if they're not asking, do they really care? Because by asking, it's not about prying. It's not about getting in and prying about an individual. It's about understanding the full picture of who you've got within your organization and understanding, are you being attractive to a wide, diverse range of individuals? So it's kind of that element. And then the inclusive element is very much how you as an organization embrace all of that. You know, you can bring in people from various, you know, black, Asian and other minority ethnic backgrounds of other sexual orientations, of gender identities, socioeconomic. But if you if you're not going to be accepted, if you're not going to be listened to, if you're not going to be respected, then there's just no point. So, yeah, I agree that that inclusive mindset, that inclusive lens needs to be part of what people do. 
And, and could you tell us a little bit more about your your role at Lloyd's and and the role as a global diversity and inclusion manager? What does it involve, and what are your aims specifically for for the insurance industry? Yeah, so so my role is sort of split between both the corporation and the market. So I'm very much trying to bring that diverse and inclusive uh, mindset and lens into the corporation, understanding you know around how we are more uh, as an organisation attractive to a more diverse range of people, but making sure that we are equipped to to be set up for success. So when it comes to disability and other things as well, but also being um, into the market a subject matter expert. Now there are many organisations in the insurance market that do have people like myself that work on diversity and inclusion, but there are many organizations that don't. So it's very much working across the whole spectrum, helping them, feeding them, providing advice and and tools to really sort of move their journey forward, be it already on their journey, starting their journey, wherever. You know, and there are many tools that have been developed. I've been part of working on tools such as the recent report around ethic diversity in the workplace report that we recently published. We published a report last year around trans and non-binary inclusion. We've done one on family care policies. We've done one around demographic data. So all of these tools are readily available. You don't have to be in the insurance market to have access. They're all available or in inclusion at Lloyds.com. And um, people can go there and really sort of see some of those. So I've been part of co-authoring and developing and being part of of that information as well. But then on top of that, and and I know we're going to move on to this, but I'll I'll bring it up is that we've got the Dive In Festival as well, which which is a which is the brainchild of Inclusion at Lloyd's. And and just so for for your audience, Inclusion at Lloyd's is not what I do at Lloyd's. Inclusion at Lloyd's is a body. It's a sort of a, a committee that has been around for about six, seven years now. Uh, first developed by Inga Bill and uh, Dominic Christian from Aon to bring together some senior voices from across the market to really sort of think about inclusion within the Lloyd's market. And one of their key aspects of that has been the Dive In Festival. So let's talk a little bit more about Dive In uh, then, which is the, the festival for diversity and inclusion in insurance. So you've mentioned it's been going for about six years. Um, and you know, I, I think we can guess probably why it started. But but what, what does it involve? How many countries are involved? So 2020's dive in involved 35 countries, so three more than the previous year. We ran 144 events across the globe, across those 35 countries. And um, we had over 30,000 individuals participate across those 144 events. And if we think about 2019's Dive In, it was 32 countries. There were just below 140 events. And we only had 10,000 people take part in or access those events in 2019. So so, so that's a massive increase then. Massive increase. And it's, and you know, being online, being delivered in that way has really helped the momentum there. And weirdly enough, uh, before we knew we were going to have to deliver this virtually, you know, way before we were really speaking about the coronavirus or, or COVID or whatever, we actually made the decision that this year, that 2020's Dive In was actually going to be about that kind of global impact, local voice. So we really wanted to really hear those local voices. 
coronavirus came around and actually that was the catalyst to really develop that theme to really a longer term piece. So it's something that really worked well. And there were various topics being spoken about across the globe, you know, gender, there was ethnicity, and obviously a lot of that around off the back of some of the conversations around Black Lives Matter and various other topics. But there were countries talking about topics that probably a few years ago, they they never would have spoken about. There was an event in India talking about you know, sexual orientation. You know, yes, we know the laws have changed in India in recent years, but they still wouldn't be doing events about it. But they were doing events this year in that case. You know, in Australia, they were talking about Aboriginal inclusion, you know, and all about, you know, how how that has to develop even better. Very similar to around some of the race conversations we're having over in the UK and, and in the US as well. And, you know, those sort of things have not necessarily been happening as much, but it happened through the Diving Festival. And and the other key themes that were coming out and what we were developing through the Diving Festival this year was around authenticity and perspective. And what we did find was by putting it online, people were becoming more comfortable in their conversations. So I'd watch an event that probably would have happened on a stage in an auditorium somewhere. And everyone tends to be a bit more formal in the way they talk and the way they bring over their conversations. But actually, when you're in their home and they're actually talking about different things, they become a lot more relaxed. And actually, we were getting things that we wouldn't expect to be coming out, which was brilliant because it was new, fresh content that was really developing that kind of things around the authenticity and perspective as well. And what do you think the success of of Dive In Festival says about the current position of diversity and inclusion within insurance? Uh, In short terms, how is insurance doing? So there there is a huge appetite and, and there is a huge journey and insurance is so on that journey. You know, over 400 volunteers actually supported the Diving Festival this year with a huge amount of organizations from across the market. You know, we had out of the people that actually registered and came along to dive in, 70% of those people had never been to dive in before. So it's been running for six years, but they had never been. But this year they did. Now, it could be the way it was being presented, but also it means that actually people are really, really interested. The age demographic was so spread. It's not all about the young people. You know, there were people from various age demographics that really wanted to hear all of those different things. So, you know, for 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 a market, we're actually moving in the right direction. And there's huge amounts of work around culture going on. My boss, Pauline Minna, is looking at culture more widely. We've been developing um, targets around gender for the market as well. And there will be targets later on in 2021 around ethnicity as well. So very much the appetite's there. And it's not about being forced into it because the market participants are coming to us and saying, what more can we do? But it's not about, oh, we'll just wait for Lloyd to tell us what to do. They're coming to us and saying, what more can we do? And that's what the Diving Festival also helps with as well. Yeah, oh, that, that's great stuff. That's great stuff. And in future episodes of this podcast, Insurance Covered, we, we're going to be considering individual issues within the wider diversity and inclusion remit. But in this particular podcast, I want to focus on kind of the more generic reasons of why diversity and inclusion as a whole is so important. So I think most of us will know of, of in general terms of, of the benefits of, of it. But, but could you talk to us and explain to us why you believe that diversity and inclusion is so important, not just from a cultural perspective, but maybe from a business perspective as well. Representation of your customer. 
representation of the of the people that you're doing work with and work for you know the world is ever changing and in the insurance market are we actually only insuring white men no we're not you know we are insuring a wide diverse range of people and actually we've got to be reflective of that we are moving into a more technological age of of insurance and actually we're not saying that white men can't do technology because that's completely wrong uh what we're saying is that we need a various amount of voices around the table to really help move that momentum you know and that could be from different social economic backgrounds that could be various cognitive reasons that different people uh may have different voices and aspects when it comes to that you know different ethnic minorities have various different voices when it comes to bringing that so i think it is about the way we are developing and the way we serve our customers but also the way we are developing as an industry as well we need that difference around the table we are ever evolving we are not going to stand still if we stand still we will fail and we are not prepared to do that now one of my key caveats to that is that when we're looking at talent it's not always about the youth it's not about the youth talent it's important we get new talent coming in from a from grassroots level but also it's about exploring those other talents from other industries if we're moving into a digital age we should be nabbing those people from google we should be nabbing those people from other industries because actually they've got the expertise to do that so i think when we think about good talent coming in we've got to think about a wider spectrum of age we don't only think about just the younger talent as well absolutely uh, and what practical changes are you already seeing w- within insurance and uh, as a law firm we're certainly seeing that diversity and inclusion plays a much bigger part in pitch processes for example than even two years ago and certainly five years ago. But is that, is that a symptomatic of, of a wider change that you're seeing? Yeah, and I think the regulators are wanting to see those changes. They're, they're wanting to understand more. So I think sometimes, you know, especially insurance, we're led by regulators. I get it sometimes. People say, oh, yeah, but, you know, are, are the regulators wanting to see this? And I'm going, yeah, they are, actually. Yeah, they're asking questions. You know, when we present on culture, so we've got a whole section on Lloyds.com around culture. All of that had been presented to the regulators prior to it going published. They're really, really looking at that. But also, let's think about us as, a, as an organization, as a, an industry. We've got to think about that. Are we going to be relevant to everyone in the future? So I think that, you know, the relevance the regulators, and actually, it is absolutely the right thing to do. Yes, we may have been built in a certain way, you know, 300 odd years ago. But to be honest, insurance started out in a coffee shop. We've developed into where we are now. It's been ever evolving. That evolution has been slow in certain aspects. It's only been just over 50 years since the first female was allowed onto the underwriting floor. But do you know what? We've moved on even further then, and we can pick up the pace as well. So I think, you know, we've got to think about the real practical side of things. Exactly. And one of the, uh, in terms of culture, well, one of the uh, the talks from Dive In was uh, Reggie Yates, um, the, the broadcaster, which was, uh, I only saw sort of a clips of it, which was brilliant. But he was talking about diversity and inclusion. He was saying it's all about conversation, empathy, and understanding. And you also mentioned, you know, showing kindness, compassion, love, empathy. But I, these were all words that you wouldn't hear in the business context. 
um, kind of five, 10 years ago, but yet they are becoming part and parcel of, of culture now, which is so much stronger and better because it's the old classic golden rule, isn't it? That do as you would be done by, love your neighbour as you love yourself, um, h- however it's expressed. And, and, and that ultimately is what inclusion is all about. Yeah. It is it's accepting people as they are and embracing them as, as part of the wider culture of whichever organisation you're part of. It's great. It's great. So we're seeing a groundswell of opinion in favour of diversity in inclusion. Maybe that's not quite not brilliantly expressed, but a groundswell of you know, a movement towards an acceptance that that is the right way to proceed. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see that through through Dive In and the fact that there's so many people are getting involved in that. And we're seeing obviously greater acceptance of, of the business arguments for, for diversity and inclusion. And we're beginning to see some practical changes. But are we seeing enough and this may be a hard question to answer but is it genuine change that you're seeing or is there a danger that it's just lip service if you'd asked me that a few years ago probably just before i joined the insurance it may have been a little bit of lip service i am seeing huge amounts of genuine change genuine want and genuine need and i'm seeing this from the top level as well you know when we're having conversations with ceos and other people we are seeing genuine um want to do the change even seeing 70 percent of of people that attended diving in 2020 was very much uh, an uplift you know there were new people to it this was because they want a genuine change they want a genuine voice there so i really do think there is you, you're going to still get those little elements of people going oh well yeah we just have to do it you know we'll just get on with it but you know what they're going to be caught out in the future and where do you think the insurance world needs to be in five years time what does it need to focus on and what practical changes can companies in the insurance world make now so i think you know um Understand more about your people. One of the big things that at the moment, the pinch points at the moment is around data and not every organization understands their people. And yes, sometimes that getting that data feels a bit intrusive, but actually it's when you explain to people why you're doing it and why you want to do it and what difference that's going to make, that's really going to help. We know when it comes to disability, over 70% of people acquire a disability during their working life. Now, That means that actually, if we continue to monitor that sort of stuff, we can give even more support to people out there and make sure that they can be successful in their job. You know, that's a really important thing to think about, but also understanding why are we not being attractive to certain particular demographics out there? What can we do to make that change? Because very much when we're recruiting, especially in insurance, and and I'd say it's getting better, but it's still not there. We're still recruiting in the paddling pool of talent. And actually, there's a swimming pool of talent out there. And what's stopping us from going to that swimming pool? Time. I'm finding a lot of people saying, oh, we need to recruit straight away. We need to recruit now. We need to recruit now. Seriously, have you never done succession planning? Have you never done planning for for talent? Do you know what? You probably knew months ago that you needed this, but you forgot about it. So what do you need to do now is you need to go and do that. So when you go to your recruiters, you say, right, I've got this amount of time. I need you to find me the best talent. And if they give you a shortlist and you go, really, is that the best talent you can give me? You know, go back and and argue the fact and say, go and find me the best talent. I'll give you an extra week. Go and find me the best talent. And presumably, uh, the the aim of everyone in diversity and inclusion is to to render themselves redundant because there is no more prejudice and, and people are treated as individuals and 
they bring everything that they bring to work and they're, they're judged mm. on that basis. We're obviously miles away from that. But what do you think would be the signs that we're getting close to that moment? I suppose ultimately, what would you regard as success within diversity and inclusion in the insurance industry? It's when people are, when we're seeing data coming out of an organisation where we're having no prefer not to says when people are answering demographic data and everything is 100%. That's when we're going to start seeing brilliant stuff. One of the telltale signs of a, a really good organization that's moving the dial is things like that sort of data. We did a massive project at RBS where we updated our demographic questions. We, we did a campaign. We got people to understand. We saw a certain percentage of people disclosing. But as we started to move the dial on certain topics, be it gender, ethnicity, disability, et cetera, et cetera, we started to see movement of people disclosing more and more because they could see that there were changes being made in the organization. So they felt more comfortable to talk more openly about themselves, even in a HR system. So I think, you know, there is a long way to go before I could be made redundant. I think I will easily be retired before that will ever happen. You know, I'm 43 now, so um, I'm an old I'm an old man in in, in terms of DNI probably. But um, you know, there is still a lot more to do. But I think it is just seeing the dial and that shift change and that mindset change from from DNI being a HR thing, because I've got no HR training. You know, I sit in HR, but I'm not HR. I'm, I'm diversity and inclusion. I really see that diversity and inclusion should be reporting directly into the CEO in the future. And there are organizations already doing that. It should be because it's the board responsibility to make sure that diversity and inclusion is taken forward. They're responsible for risk. They're responsible for profit and loss. They should be responsible for diversity and inclusion because that's how everything is going to work in, in a more effective way. So that's the kind of things that I sort of see for the future. Well, that's fantastic. And, and, and Mark, um, the, the, my final question to you is you're fairly new to the, the insurance world, a couple of years in. Based on what you've learned um, over those couple of years, what, what bit of advice would you give to someone who's thinking about joining the insurance world? Come to insurance. Do you <laughs> know why? i tell you why. It is... Probably one of the most friendly, friendliest industries I've ever been in. Everyone wants to talk to each other, even if you work for a competitor. Especially in the DNI world, and especially if we look at Dive In, we look at the sponsors of Dive In, we look at the companies involved. A lot of them are competitors. But what they want to do is they want to do things right. And they don't see DNI necessarily around being competitive. They see it about making the industry as attractive and as inclusive as possible. So come to insurance. Look at what's happening. We're moving into a digital age. We're moving into bringing different people from various different industries in. It is fun and it is very collaborative. And I think that is a really important message out there. But also, most important, what is insurance? It's about social good. You know, you're coming into an industry that helps social good. Insurance insures people's houses and cars, but actually, most of all, it insures farms. It insures people's livelihoods as well. It's all about that. And I think that's really important as well. Thank you very much. Well, insurance as a social good is a topic for a completely different podcast. So yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll come on to that at some other time. But no, but that's, that's a fantastic thing. And thank you so much, Mark, for your time. That's, that was a wonderful, wonderful podcast. So thank you so much for your time. No, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Insurance Covered. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and please rate, review and share it. It really does help. 
please also listen to another of our podcasts, Taxing Matters, which is hosted by my brilliant colleague, Alice Kemp. Insurance Covered is an RPC production made possible by Joe Burgess and Mary Mitchell. If you want to be a guest on Insurance Covered, please email me at peter.mansfield at rpc.co.uk. Thank you and I hope you have a lovely day.